welcome to Cool Breeze Over the Mountains, a podcast where we chronologically step through and discuss each film starring Keanu Reeves. My name is Andrew Gormley, and I am one of your hosts. I am joined on this episode by my co-hosts. Her record of courage is being on this podcast, Whitney Nelson. (laughs) Sometimes it has taken courage to watch some of these movies, so I will accept that. Hello, I'm Whitney. Oh, you're going to love this next one. When a crime goes unpunished, the world is unbalanced. Our crime was making him sit through Generation Um. Eric Hall returns! <laughs> he yeah, y'all. And you're right, that was a crime. It was. I don't know if this movie will make it right and bring balance back, but I'm excited to talk about it regardless. So that'll, uh, that's good, that's good. Up top, as always, want to mention you can find uh, the website at coolbreezepod.com, email us coolbreezepod at gmail.com, or hit us up on Twitter at coolbreezepod. Listener Melissa Chonka emailed us and wrote the following about our Generation Um episode. I think we'll like this. She agrees. She says, spot on, that movie was horrible. I had to bleach my eyes after watching it. The bit about him eating a muffin made me laugh out loud. Thank you, Melissa. (laughs) I think the bit about the muffin was something Eric said. So there you go. Mm -hmm. There you go. We we were all thinking it. (laughs) Right. I mean, the fact that it was real time... Everyone thought it at the moment. They were like, wait, I'm sorry. What's happening yeah, here? Right. Why are we watching him this eat is two wild. cupcakes <laughs> in real time? Hashtag cinema, baby. Hashtag <laughs> cinema. <laughs> uh, if you're watching live on Periscope or Twitch, you can chime in with your two cents. We'll read your comments out loud, agree with you, debate you, all sorts of good stuff like that. Uh, here's another movie which I'm very interested in. I don't know how much debate we're going to have, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. And then finally, uh, if you want to be excellent to us, please share the show with your friends, rate and review us on iTunes or your platform of choice. Bring more folks into the fray. Again, subscribers keep going up and to the right, which is a good thing if you're looking at the graphs and charts and stuff. So thank you. New listeners, old listeners. We're excited to have you as we come into this, uh, as we slide into the Keanu-sense, as it were. But (laughs) before we get to the- Yeah, we are about to hit the (laughs) Keanu-sense. It's so close. And I am- Oh, very excited. We actually just have to get past this film, and then I think we're solidly in it. So, yeah, Eric, do you want to tell us about this film? Yeah, today we're talking about 47 Ronin. Uh, plot synopsis on this one is that a band of samurai set out to avenge the death and dishonor of their master at the hands of a ruthless shogun. Hmm. Uh, this was directed by Carl Rinch, and so far it's the only feature-length film he's credited as directing. Uh, probably will be the only feature-length film he's credited as directing. <laughs> Ouch! If I mean, I don't remember, and I did not look up, because I don't know if Charles is going to bring it up for trivia, but I remember at the time people talking about it being the biggest like box office disaster like ever. Interesting. Okay. I did not, I did not, I, this movie, I, I knew nothing about this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I recall it coming out. I recall it failing, but I don't remember any talk around sort of the, the magnitude of its failure. It, it was, it was one of those that I feel like was one of the early, this is a blockbuster tent pole that we spent like 200 million on, but we only made like 9 million. Mm. All right. oh. and, and so it was like a huge debt for the studio. Damn. Okay. 
I think it was one of those first ones of like, we spent outrageous amounts of money, but I don't, I didn't, I specifically did not look up the numbers so my memory could be completely incorrect on this. I did not look up any numbers in case it was trivia stuff, but there is, that's what my memory of it was, is that this is the first one I can remember hearing about like putting a studio in debt and costing more to make than it got back in return. Okay. So that's why I say Carl Wrench is probably not going to direct anymore. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's definitely in director jail. Uh-huh. Co-starring alongside Keanu is Hiroyuki Sanada, Ko Shibasaki, Tadanobu Asano, Min Tanaka, and Jin Akanishi. I think I said all of those correctly. If that I sounded did, great. I apologize. I think you did too, yeah. but I am not Japanese. And uh, there was, there's also a small part for one of my favorites, Rinko Kikuchi, uh, from the Brothers Bloom and Pacific Rim. Um, yes. So it was nice to see her. Uh, she's so good in Brothers Bloom. Yeah, she's fantastic in that. I mean, she's good in this too, but like, she's so good in Brothers Bloom. If you haven't seen Brothers Bloom, stop what you're doing don't watch 47 ronin watch brothers <laughs> i mean not to say that 47 ronin is not worth your time we'll get into that i have a lot of thoughts and feelings about it uh -huh. but mm -hmm. the brothers bloom is one of my favorite movies and not everyone's heard of it it's by the guy who did brick and looper but it's like kind of quirky wes anderson-y oceans 11-y it's like a heisty film but very in the wes anderson like grand budapest hotel kind of style yeah if you wanted wes anderson to make knives out <laughs> oh yes yes look yeah. at this crack exactly. marketing team that i have on this <laughs> podcast listen <laughs> listen studios anyway she, she plays bang bang she's amazing okay uh-huh uh-huh well that's incredible movie incredible role it's a nice segue with your you know you have feelings about this movie into what are the critics and audience feelings about this movie yes well the critics uh were not very happy with this film <laughs> we have a 16 percent critical score ow, on ow, rotten ow, tomatoes ow, 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 ow. yeah 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 we have a 48 percent audience score which is only 2% lower audience score than Man of Tai Chi, which I find very interesting. Um, so we have a critic quote. We'll get into my feelings because I have a lot of them mm -hmm, mm -hmm. about what I think about this film. So Simon Abrams, who was writing for RogerEbert.com, says, in spite of its enjoyable, easy-to-exploit aspects... 47 Ronin is a big budget spectacle hamstrung by its need to be at once flippant and respectful of its honor driven source material. I think that's pretty spot on the nose. Um, hmm. And then we have on Rotten Tomatoes, David S, uh, user David S gave it 0.5 out of five stars and says 47 Ronin is very difficult to watch. Kiana's deadpan delivery is a travesty throughout the show and the excessively obvious CGI blended in with poor dialogue and a fantastical story that jumps around the place create a movie made for the trash. Oh, no. It's one redeeming feature, pleasant aesthetics, is better off as a poster or art than as a feature film lasting more than two hours. Oof. But we also have a listener review from Zoe P. 
Zoe. Friend of the show, Zoe, uh, who says, this one has my heart, heart emoji, like a, the heart beating mm. emoji, not just the heart. <laughs> it's an important uh, distinction. <laughs> it is an important distinction. I want to make sure Zoe's real feelings come across. Uh-huh. Not a popular opinion, but it is mine. 47 Ronin is my go-to film when I need a little romance in my life. King Keanu has never been better so far with this tale of revenge slash honor and yearning. His eyes tell it all for me. How much he aches that he and Mika can't be together and his stoicism as the outcast as the samurais treat him with disdain. The scene with Kai and Mika towards the end where they touch knowing that Kai is sentenced to death. Spoiler alert. She didn't write that. I put that in just now. Breaks my heart every time. This is a very rich film in terms of the set and costumes, both of which are outstanding. Money has been spent and it shows. The plot is very thin and the women, aside from the witch, are always, quote, worried. <laughs> Men are defined by honor and women are worried. Uh-huh. Which is pretty true. Zoe's been with us, well, I mean, with the podcast for a bit, but clearly she's been on the Keanu train for, for maybe... For a long time. Yeah, forever, maybe, so... Maybe. Do we want to talk about this next piece? Yes. Okay. <laughs> sure. I mean, I don't, you know, here's the deal. You know thyself, right? I'm not the person to, uh, yeah, I could just tee this up. I am not the person to talk about this, right? Just given who I am and, you know, my privilege and all that stuff. But uh, when putting together the reviews for this movie, uh, and mostly, I, I will say it's mostly from the audience. Critics, some critics touched on this, but not many. Uh, they talked about how this movie specifically, it wasn't right to cast a, and I'm using quotes here, white lead uh, for the for the role of Kai. And I'm not sure if this plays into what you heard about the film, Whitney. Like last week you said there was some kind of moderately or light racist things that may or may not have been happening here. So I just wanted to talk through a little bit of that and and see where we come down about Keanu's role in this film. Um well, okay, so the thing is Kai uh, to my knowledge, 47 Ronin is a movie that's been made like a 100 times. Mm-hmm. Um in Japan. It's like a story that's been told and told and told and told over and over and again in a bunch of ways. Uh we took it and we tried to do like a brothers grim sort of uh, Snow White and the Huntsman, I think, was around this time. Like, mm-hmm. we tried to make it more mystical rather than folklore kind of a thing. And so we added in all of the the other stuff, but we also added in Kai. Uh, Kai is not in the Forty Seven Ronin originally. So this this like half ha- half breed, like mixed race outcast is not part of the original story at all. That was added specifically so they could put someone more white in there for American audiences. But Keanu is mixed race. So he like is Asian enough, I think, to play the part. It's more about them putting in a white role or a mixed race role for audiences to connect with because they didn't think they could connect with the original story and the the Japanese cast. Mm. Um, So I think casting Keanu is not the wrong move because I think Keanu is perfect for someone who's mixed race because he is. Um, I think it's more about the fact that we've added in a outcast mixed race more on the white end of things person so that 
America could put associate with this film, which they didn't think they could before if it was all Japanese people. For me, it's much more racist than all of the... So there's... This was shot in Europe. I don't know where in Europe, but it looks like Europe. It does not look like Japan at all. Hmm. Nothing that I saw in Japan looks like this. All of the CG painted backdrops look much more Chinese than they do Japanese. So whoever was on the, like, in charge of the big fantasy backdrop scenes that were not just, like, forests or whatever, they just did Asian. They didn't really, to me, most of it, there was some Japanese architecture, but most of the stuff that they did stylistically looks Chinese in origin. So I feel like that, to me, was way more racist than Keanu Reeves. So the the, histo- the historical accuracy was that what you had heard, or were you when you had mentioned that? Were you talking more about? I, I think it was. I think it was more when I had heard about it. I think it was more the Keanu okay. thing. All right, Eric, did you have something? I mean, I was just going to jump in and say that. I mean, unless I'm mistaken, I believe that the story of the forty-seven Ronin is is a historical fact um, yes. that has been adapted into more of a folk tale so mm-hmm. i feel like maybe that part of it is what makes the casting of a non-japanese person uh, puts a bad taste in your mouth um it's not like you know we took a marvel character that in all of the comic books was a certain race and we changed it in the movie i mean that that's a fictional character it can be whatever we want but there might be some concern around you know, these were real people. This actually happened. Um, you know, I didn't know all of that going in. Um, so I didn't I didn't feel strongly when I was watching it. I think the outsider narrative works for what they're trying to do. I mean, they basically took this sort of true story that's become a, a legendary story. And to, to Whitney's point, they sort of, made it a grim dark fairy tale kind of thing so i was having a vague idea that 47 ronin was a real story i was very confused when like a monster showed up 10 minutes into the movie Uh (laughs) yeah um so you know there's a and then there's also just commercially just from the making and marketing of a movie if they took the story and they made a fairy tale and they didn't call it 47 Ronin people would say well that's just 47 Ronin with your stuff in it and then the flip side is they called it 47 Ronin and people are like well it isn't ex- exactly 47 Ronin so i'm not really sure where it lies but i think that's where people's issue might come from is that you know you took this true story and you really started to mess with it. And one of the things you messed with is you just added a random, I'm using air quotes on a sound medium, white person. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And there's, I, I had pulled this quote, uh, Jeff Yang, he wrote a review of this film. He is the co-host of a podcast called They Call Us Bruce, which is a pretty incredible podcast I recommend at least listening to a few episodes of. It's basically about what's happening in Asian America, given, it, you know, like now, for instance, they're doing a lot of stuff about coronavirus, mm-hmm. but they have guests on. They have it's it's great. Check it out. But he wrote this and it's it's perfect. He says Reeves most compelling quality has always been the very mutable enigmatic in betweenness that serves as a handicap 
for many other multiracial Asian actors. Um, yeah. And that's why he often, I think that's also why he often gets, I, I don't, I don't want to generalize, but like he can sometimes just be called the white lead and that's not true. He is, he identifies as a person of color, but I think you both make very good points about him in this role, how it was adapted and changed and he was added in. Um, I'm wondering if Charles has anything for us in that realm yeah, as well. I'm curious about that. Um, all in all, I mean, I think Keanu is the perfect person to cast if you're adding a mixed race person because he is mixed race person of Asian descent. So yeah. like that works really well for me. It's really just more that they decided they needed to westernize a Japanese story. Um, but I think that it's just as weird that they added dragons and ogres and <laughs> right. lizard monks and whatever as it is that they added a white outcast. Yeah, it was it, it was a great story without all that. So I don't know. I really think I really think that it was just to try and fit in with what was happening at the time, which I feel like all of that grimdark story tale. And I don't know this for sure, but I feel like all that fairy tale story stuff in movies started happening right around the same time so i think this was like a way to cash in on it i prefer them bastardizing 47 ronin but still saying this is 47 ronin than trying to make 47 ronin their own thing um i think that this is a a mystical witchcraft and ogre take on 47 ronin and we've added in a, an outcast person to be like so that we don't need to change what happened to any of these real people, hmm. but we can change how the story pivots. I think that makes sense to me. Um, it's also whether or not we like it, something that studios do is they're like, hey, we need all the white people in America to want to watch this. So we've got to change some stuff. It can't be a Japanese true story or no one will watch it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's a mixed bag. I think that there's definitely some merit to it, but I also think it's not... It's not as big a deal as some people made it see seem. Because like I said, I thought it was very racially like charged. It was like a whole thing going into it. And then when I was actually watching it, I was like, this isn't that. I'm far more upset by the, the overarching like, this is Asian stuff. Let's put this in here. Whether or not it's Japanese <laughs> by the set direction. That's much more upsetting to me than a white lead. All right. All right. Yeah, it's it's certainly not as bad as what we might have guessed last episode to be like a Great Wall, uh, Matt Damon type situation. Yeah, it's not that bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank God for that. Thank God for that. Okay, so I think we should probably get into our thoughts on this film, which I feel like we've danced around a little bit. Whitney has said she has a lot of them. I don't know what I don't know what Eric feels about this movie. Uh, I'll go first. Okay, you you kick us off. This movie was right on the edge of being a really great movie, <laughs> but was not a really great movie. Mm -hmm. It was so slow. This movie dragged forever it was very tedious for me to watch and that's not because it wasn't good but it's just because to me this feels like a movie and again i don't know i know there was a lot of drama about around this coming out it was one of those where there was like 
they hired new script writers after the second draft and then they like 15 people edited it but only one person has an editing credit i don't know the details of it but i do know that that there was a lot of that sort of we have to bring in a new director to save the film kind of stuff although i think it was the same director all the way through Mm. but it suffers to me from too many rewrites with too many notes that aren't in a direction of the story. Um, we end up on an island at one point that's, I was like, are we in a Pirates of the Caribbean movie? <laughs> yeah. Why are we on this island that looks straight out of Pirates of the Caribbean wrestling ogres? That has nothing to do with anything. And I think that it was a, probably like a back and forth between people who wanted to stick to the traditional story and people who wanted to go in on the mystical stuff for me, as a, like, martial arts film, there was not nearly enough martial arts. The only exciting part of, like, the there was really only one exciting fight, and it was the last, like, ten minutes of the movie. Other than that, it was all politics and honor, but I don't want to watch a movie about politics and honor where you're also fighting, like, dragons and beasts and stuff. I think that it needed to be, like, gung-ho action or it needed to be like a quiet political story about honor above all else i think they walked the line too much and there was too much pulling back and forth from one to the other i don't think that like a witch with like using her hair as extra like appendages fits in with a movie that is also at the same time so quiet and so slow at some points and i feel like that sort of mismatch to me spoke of a ton of rewrites that spoke of studio notes to me. And knowing that this is like, had the sort of reception that it did, I don't know how correct that is or how much that is me just assuming things, but that's what it felt like to me. Um, I think that the overall, the actors were great. It looked good. Although I definitely am a hundred percent positive that they shot it in Europe. Um, and because it just didn't look like Asia mm-hmm. um, specifically it did not look like Japan at all I think that the actors did okay considering that a lot of them were definitely you could tell saying their lines phonetically rather than speaking English um, I think that the acting was actually pretty phenomenal considering that some lines the intonation was so off that it would almost take you out of it but they never like the acting kept me in it even while there was sometimes like issues with tone Mm -hmm. and whatever because they were saying things phonetically um it is beautiful it's a beautifully made movie even if i feel like there was definitely times where they went all in on just asian rather than specifically japanese the costumer did a good job with japanese stuff but i feel like like i said really it was just the big matte cg backgrounds that looked like they were just putting overall asian influence and not japanese history again i I think that Keanu's like inner monologue worked for him in this role because he's definitely like he has gone for whole huge parts of it, even though he's essentially like the protagonist. He's not really he's just like a centerpiece for Western Westerners to watch the movie through because he's not in whole chunks of the movie. Um, and, And he's really not like necessarily an initiator of anything he's just kind of can be a pivotal centerpiece of of the movie and the story um i think that 
anyone else in that role would have had a hard time because he doesn't do or say much. So I think that Keanu's inner monologue works here, but I also think that it meant he did the outsider part very well. Yeah, very humble, very, uh, you know. I, Yeah, I think that that worked. I didn't necessarily think that it was important for the story, but again, I think that's just so that they have... They could tell the 47 Ronin story and anything extra that they wanted to add could be like part of the Keanu storyline so that they wouldn't need to change like what actual real people said and did. Um, There was a lot of stuff that I liked about it. I think it should have been about 40 minutes less with more fighting. (laughs) If you're going to have a movie about samurai, I expect samurai shit. And there was a little bit, but there was not, that's not... To make it a fun fantasy martial arts movie, I think it would have been great. I think the amount of sort of political stuff in the slow parts of the story ruined it for me because it just made it so tedious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, wait. Hmm. Well, I, I have I have something for both of you actually. Okay, this is, what ahead. a fortuitous what a fortuitous episode to have you both on. <laughs> While Whitney was mentioning the writing crew, so there are two credited writers on this movie, but we all know that that's not how the process works. It's just the two guys who probably had it last, right? Mm-hmm. The first guy is named Hussein Amini, and he wrote Snow White and the Huntsman. Uh-huh. Yep. And he also mm-hmm. wrote The Snowman more recently, which was a terrible okay. movie, but he's <laughs> best known for Drive, the Nicholas Winding Refn film, which is... Great. The co-writer is a man by the name of Chris Morgan, who has worked on every Fast and Furious movie since Tokyo Drift. Uh See? Okay. Why didn't he get final cut of the movie? Because that's exactly what I want. Yeah. No. Whatever he did, there should have been more of. I mean, I agree with Whitney in in a lot of respects. I think it's a beautifully shot movie. Um, I love the costuming, uh, the effects I think are solid, that sort of thing. Um, it does feel like it was kind of noted to death. Um, it has trouble, I don't want to say tonally, because the tone is exceedingly somber. This movie could really use some humor. Um, but they're not sure what they want to do with the fantasy aspect so whitney was saying you know she wanted more samurai stuff well i would argue that the samurai fights we get are uh, probably very accurate and i feel like someone on the crew really wanted to make you know like sword fights really look like a sword fight would look um and the bows be period accurate and that sort of thing like i i mm-hmm. get that vibe but then it's also the movie where somebody fights a fucking dragon. Like I don't think, <laughs> yeah. I don't think they they could make that balance work for themselves. You know, uh, Whitney mentioned uh, about halfway through we meet like lizard monks um, who clearly have you know superpowers. They have mm-hmm. um, what what you see in and I don't know the the name of the type of film but in a movie like crouching tiger where um the realism is also tinged with the wire work that that 
sort of makes physics secondary kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And and you see them use that and you know Keanu is going to use it at some point because he's also been trained in it. But they they save it for, you know, his matrix moment at the end um when he he absolutely can't do anything else but this this horrible thing he's learned but we're not sure why it's horrible like he's right. he's, he's renounced these people but um we're never really clear why um as far as pacing um i didn't mind the pacing too much i agree with whitney that the first hour could have been cut about in half um mm-hmm. you know you get the setup so why is everyone banished what is their goal and then again feeling like notes um you know we have the getting the band back together scene but it's really <laughs> just him going to get keanu yeah um mm-hmm. we're i'm never clear why he decides he has to get keanu in the first place um yep. except that i guess he feels guilty that keanu told him this was going to happen and he didn't listen to him but at no point in the story did we get a strong vibe that keanu was a good fighter i mean he enters that tournament to try to save face and gets his butt whooped by the 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 mountain (laughs) samurai (laughs) yeah um and then you know again whitney's right we end up randomly in a pirates of the caribbean movie um i think everything after the pirates of the caribbean detour is great Mm. like that was all my favorite part of the movie was everything from that after that island tortuga nonsense yeah um i would have loved for a movie called 47 ronin i would have liked to have known more than like three of the ronin um (laughs) yeah yeah that's there's this whole crew of dudes and like one guy's kind of a chubby guy that cracks a joke um and one guy's an old guy and that's that's about it oh and and you get oishi's son who's just impossibly handsome and apparently can fight um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but that agree that part i felt like if I, I feel like if you're gonna one of my favorite parts of movies is like assembling the crew and if if that was what you were going for there then then give me a little bit more about the actual crew let me know more about mm-hmm. these people because when we get to act three and they are facing insurmountable odds, I I don't know any of these characters. Yep. Um, so I'm not concerned if they live or die. Um, once we kind of get into it, once we do our sort of second act turn into our third act, I'm fully on board. Um, the sort of, climax where they invade the castle and it's under the cover of this acting troupe and um you know we're we're showing off what they can do and those sorts of things i'm in i think that sequence is great um mm-hmm. you know uh the villain kira i absolutely hate um i'm not sure how to act attitude but he just from the minute you see him before he even has a line you're just like i hate this guy yeah it was awesome <laughs> yeah the look on his yeah. face it was so good yeah no it, it always looks like he's like 
smelling someone's stinky feet because yeah. they took their shoes <laughs> off or something. They're like, it's really well done. You, there's no mustache twirling. There's none of that. Um, you know, the stuff with the with the witch, I I really enjoyed. I thought it was like a nice amount of that and it it served the story. She wasn't just like randomly doing things. Um, although I wasn't entirely clear at one point she kind of pulls a rage spider out of the bad guy. That was a <laughs> yeah. little confusing. Um, but I mean, overall, I think, I mean, this movie's like a solid C for me. Um, I don't think it's terrible. I enjoyed myself. Um, I, I, I liked everything that happened mostly. Um, I just think, it didn't live up to its potential. And I guess the studio thinks that as well. Andrew. Yeah. I, so I agree with almost everything you said. So I, I broke this list down for me into the good, the bad and the meh. Uh, and I'll just run down this really quickly. Cause I'm sitting here agreeing with you overall. Um, this for me, this movie was a step. Well, quite a step. Uh, let me, let me, rephrase is quite a step down from man of tai chi like given the opportunities mm -hmm. like t these two same year even they came out it's like which one would you rather watch it's man of tai chi 10 times out of 10. Mm -hmm. so given that let me just do so the good about this movie like reiterate what everybody said the two of you zoe this movie is like stunning visually the camera work is great there are a lot of sweeping kind of very slow shots throughout. Gives you a great sense of scale of things here, which I really like and like directionality and positioning. I, I love to like feel like I know where things are in a movie. And this did that really well for me. Weapons, costuming, production value, super, super high. I wrote that I, I, I hope that it was accurate. And it sounds like that's like hit or miss. Like I, I don't know much about Samurai, Shogun, Feudal Japan, that sort of thing. So it's like, maybe they did it justice to a degree, I guess. Um, but that's always something I hope for, like historical accuracy. I like the idea of Keanu's character, like the half-breed, as kind of an allegory to like the, the difference between a Shogun and a Ronin. Like, like when they become Ronin, they kind of get a sense of what his life must be like. I like that as like a storytelling device. Mm -hmm. So in that respect, I really, really, I think that added something for us to like, that was like a nice anchor for me. I was like, okay, now they can all relate, right? Uh, I don't know necessarily how the original story goes, how they kind of band together around what, but uh, probably just the bad guy, which I will get to now. The witch, uh, as, as Eric said, played by Rinko and Lord Kira, these guys, they were great, right? If you think about... They were very villainy villains, which I appreciate. Yes, I was going to say that because if you think about 2013, where we were, movies and TV, we are big into this anti-hero thing, right? Where it's like, mm -hmm. it's you're like, oh, he's doing the wrong things, but is it for the right reason? Or like, you know, and it's it was actually super great to have just flat out evil people. <laughs> it's like, who'd have thought? I just, I needed that. I needed like... A villain who looked the part mm -hmm. and acted the part all the time. So I, I thought that was really well done. Or even if they aren't just uh, 
straight up evil we have to get their backstory and find out why they were evil right i, I don't need any of that and no I'm fine with them just <laughs> sometimes yeah just skip it it's fine i don't care uh you know within reason this movie it, it, it worked to their advantage i got some th- this is probably retroactive i'm trying to think about the timeline i got some like game of throney vibes from this i don't know if it yes. was necessarily the, you know like the political intrigue the the spider thing felt uh, there was a there was a character as eric said that was the, like the, the witch mountain in this movie yeah the witch in this movie has a lot of they're not really like point for point similar but there's a very consistent feel of like this witch who has some sort of power who's sort of like a henchman but kind of playing the fence of like i'm just here yeah you know with the side i know is gonna win or whatever very much like the red witch yes um, exactly that's in, who i was in thinking. game of thrones yeah she's very much like that um it, it felt <laughs> <laughs> how dare you it felt a lot in some parts like game of thrones and i feel like if they had led lent more into that it would have been a much better movie if they'd gone more that way i feel like they just needed to pick a lane and they didn't and that's really my my gripe with this film yeah and yeah and again that it feels it feels like certainly a, a writing issue i i like the game of thrones stuff also that they they had in there so if you if you're like you're a fan of that or i don't want to say if you're a fan of that then you might like this but like if you're a fan of those concepts then you might actually really enjoy uh, some of the parts of this film. Uh, that's all the good that I had. That was it. <laughs> the bad for me was how slow this movie was for God. Again, that first hour was basically once they got to the forest for the swords, I was like, okay, now I'm on for, th- I'm, I'm in, mm-hmm. I'm into this. Like mm-hmm. now we're the all sword part was fun. Yeah. The castle storming was fun. All of that stuff was great, but everything leading up to it was very tedious. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, uh, uh, I will say that the CG for me was like hit or miss. Uh, the dragon was like, I don't know about this uh, at all. Yeah, it definitely showed its signs of age. Yeah. Where like there was some stuff that still holds up. I think the lizard monster yeah, yeah. looked great. They were good. And that fight of, like, draw your sword and save them, where they're whooshing all around, killing all the guys, that still held up. But there was a lot of stuff where I was like, this is very clearly CGI that has not aged. (laughs) Right. It's not great. Um, I'm thinking about this time, 2013, and I have to assume that they shot this movie in 3D. Because there are some shots in this yes. movie where I was just like, come on with this shit. Where, like, there's an explosion. You know, was... Oh, mm-hmm. I hate. I, I, I was like, I hate this. Like, whenever I. I think yeah. that's why it was so expensive. And oh, why really? The studio didn't get their returns on it. Oh. Is because it was specifically made for that purpose. Okay. Well, then that makes sense. So, if either way, there were some shots in this movie that were so. It was very, like. Like someone oh, blowing a party blower at the screen yes. and it goes like I, right into your I face hate, and I, you're like, you're doing this because it's 3D. I hate, I hate it. And that was because I'm like, when did Avatar come out? It's like, okay. So like the next five years after Avatar, everybody's trying to, ch- I get it. I get it. They just hit you over the head with the 3D. The part where we go to rescue Kai from the, the, pi- the pirate ships, right? From Tortuga. From Tortuga. <laughs> I feel like. There was probably something cool there. Like it's there was too much money 
spent for it to have just been like two minutes there. And it was literally for the one like ogre fight. Right. Which I can also it's like it's like the death ring fighting like we saw in Man of Tai Chi. Yes! Where it's like, you know, kill the people and then you win and you get to walk out and fight it live to fight again. <laughs> in like a very piratey atmosphere. <laughs> And then you're gone. And it was like so much setting up of this island and the ships and the pirates and the whatever. And it, it makes me so mad. And I think you're right. I think maybe there was more story there. I think maybe there was like a whole set of scenes rather yeah. than just the like fighting in a tavern scene. Because he could have done fighting in a tavern with an ogre literally anywhere. anywhere. Side note about that ogre. Uh, I got very like sloth from Goonies vibes from that dude, which made his defeat and beheading very bittersweet for me. I was like, oh, <laughs> poor sloth. It made me real sad. I, well, I kind of felt like there was a lovability to the ogre that shouldn't have been there. Yeah. I don't necessarily think that I thought sloth, but it was like, this is just an average guy trying to get about his day. Like, I, uh, it was, it was not a great. I was did not cheer when he was beheaded. For sure. <laughs> right, it was not. I did not share the enthusiasm. Like, oh, that's just an average Joe trying to make a dollar. Yeah. Why are we cutting his head off? Come on, give him a break. I did. I did like that they cast. Uh, what's his name? Rick Anest, the zombie boy with all the tattoos. That's not a yes. CGI character. That's a real guy who had all those tattoos. Okay. Like, what is he doing yeah. in this movie? <laughs> Let me also say, right? Okay. So that dude is on the cover of the movie and he's in it for 10 seconds, maybe. And I'm like, there had to have been more. That is what me that alone is actually what made me think there was more to that sequence that just is lost. Because right. why would you put that dude on the cover of the movie? I have no idea. I mean, because he looks dope. He do yeah, I mean, in fairness, well, we had, okay, so the big bad samurai, right? The mountain, the, you know. The mountain. He was a badass dude. Very much dude, the mountain. Right? But again, that was like, uh, here's the deal. They set us up. We're like, oh, they fight in the beginning. And then, you know, oh, it's like, oh, it's going to be the best boss battle at the end. Nope. He gets mm -hmm. just yeah, no, was wiped out. off samurai. Yeah. What the hell? So that was just, I, I was like, oh, that was very, that was a little disappointing. I thought that was going to be a cool Keanu fight. I mean, fight. that was fine for me because that's kind of how, how uh, characters in those sorts of, I, I feel like there's a lot of, in Game of Thrones and in stuff like this, and when you're talking about those fairy tales, you get cool side bit characters that you don't want to see go, but they are always like <laughs> tertiary. Yeah. I feel like he was one of them. I wasn't super upset that he, he died, but he was cool. Like he was. his armor was cool. The way he moved was cool. It was it was neat. It just, uh, yeah, he doesn't ever show back up again. Yeah. <laughs> He's blowing the smithereens in 3D, in a 3D setup, no less. I hated it. Um, I just hope that the Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean thing had more that was cut. Because otherwise, why are you spending this money and doing this thing? I don't understand, and I don't like it. Right. Unless they, you, it was like a whole third of the movie that they changed direction on and they just kept those scenes. Yeah. They're like, we, we, oh, Kai, we wrote him that he's there. We already recorded that dialogue. So we have to go, but we could just make it quick. Mm -hmm. Let's just cut it down to 30 mm -hmm. seconds. The other bad was something that Eric mentioned real quick. I, th there felt like very low stakes for me because I didn't know these people. All I knew was basically Keanu's character, Kai, and, and Asano. 
and I was like, I don't really know the rest of these people. So when they died, like, uh, I just happened to remember that the guy's name was Basho because I had subtitles on for this, uh, who he died, you know, with the arrows and stuff. And I'm like, he was the only other recognizable character I would have been able to like say anything about. He's like, he was a little funny. He was the guy taking a bath when we first met him like that, that sort of thing. And then for the meh about this movie, I have everything else. Like, it's fine. It was, you know, mm -hmm. I like. there were things I liked, there were things I didn't like, and then everything else was like, all right, that's, that's fine. For me, I'd probably split the difference between the audience and the critics. Like, I'm somewhere in that upper 30s, maybe early, mm -hmm. low 40s section for me. Mm -hmm. um, not great. Not the worst, certainly not the worst thing we've seen, but like, you know, pretty middling overall. There was one thing, and I have no idea uh, about Japanese culture at all, so I have no idea how accurate this was, but it kept taking me out of the movie. The guy, Oishi, Oishi means delicious or savory or, like, tasty <laughs> in Japanese. <laughs> nice. And then his son's name was Moishi, and they just added an M to Oishi, and I don't know if that's, like, a traditional thing that, like, fathers and sons would just add a little bit onto the name and pass it down or whatever. Huh. But it, every time I kept hearing Oishi, I was like, wait, what's tasty? And it was <laughs> this guy, mood. this guy is. Yeah. That's fun. I learned yeah. something today. I, I don't know enough about names. Literally, that's like the only Japanese that I know is Oishi. But um, I do know that Oishi, and I think it's even the same spelling. I don't even think it's like different pronunciations that sound to me the same i think it's his name means tasty yeah i don't know i don't know maybe charles knows but maybe. i don't know do we have any other thoughts before we move on here any other uh things we wanted to call out no i will say i think my overall just like did this movie work for me yes or no i i think i'm with you in the like 40s low 40s yeah. is about where I would put this. I do think this movie is better than my assumption of what this movie was. And especially if you're into like the Brothers Grimm, Van Helsing, Snow White and the Huntsman, if that kind of thing is something you're into, I definitely would check this movie out because I think that some of the stuff they do there is interesting. I just don't think they do enough of it. So like in the overall, did this movie work for me? It worked better than I thought it would. So I do just want to leave it at that. I don't think it was great, but I also, it was better than I thought it was going to be. So I do, I did just want to say that before we moved on to the interstellar favorite. Yeah. Not, not so much of a valley, right? Kind of just like a little plateau yeah. here. So coming off the man of Tai Chi. So it's a, it's a high bar. It's a high bar. Mm -hmm. All right. So I think that's, I think that's our cue. Really, right? Mm -hmm. We're good? I think it is. Okay. So then... I think it's time to, to wake Charles up out of his void. <laughs> we we play this special song and it, it opens the void. I didn't know that's, <laughs> I didn't know that's how it worked. The summoning ritual. <laughs> but here it is. <laughs> Pop quiz, asshole. There was a time when I had the need to learn from you. Oh, what the hell do you know? Ooh, I don't lose! I win! She's got a lot to learn about sportsmanship. 
Whoa, Pop Quiz Assholes, our very own Quizzo show where the host asks each of us three questions. If one of us gets it wrong, the other has a chance to steal, and if they get it wrong, the other person has a chance to steal, assuming they remember the remaining answers. Points are not cumulative and only determines who wins the episode. Let's 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 cut right to the chase. I'd like to bring out our master of ceremonies, Charles Nolan. Hello, everyone. Hello, Charles. Hey, Charles. I'm glad that, I'm glad that we have uh, efficiently summoned you. I am glad that I have been summoned. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> we have Eric here today, Charles, as you may may know. And hey, Charles. It's your, it's your show. Hello, Eric. How are you today? Well, this movie was much better than the last one, so I'm feeling a lot happier. <laughs> Wait, hold on. The last one was Man of Tai Chi. Uh, no, the last the one, last one I he watched. was on, which is Generation oh, Um. Oh, that is fair. Yes, a solid point. Uh-huh. Hard to get worse. Hard to get worse. Literally, there is nothing worse on our list right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are we ready for trivia time? Uh- Oh, yeah. Ready. Let's do, Let's it. do right. it. Starting off with Eric. What is the type of mythical Japanese creature fought in the forest at the beginning of this movie? Is it A, a Kirin, B, Kamaitachi, or C, a Kappa? I believe. Wow, this is going to sound way more racist than I mean it to. I've seen it on a can of beer. I believe it's a Kieran. That is correct. Okay. Nicely done. <laughs> See? See? All right. Context clues are all around. <laughs> <laughs> Just got to know where to look. Whitney. The story of the 47 Ronin incident has been told many times in film. Which number retelling was this movie? Oof. Was it the sixth, the seventh, or the eighth? Wow. The eighth. That is incorrect. Steel. Andrew. I'm going to err on the lower side and say six. That is incorrect. <laughs> Steel. Eric. <laughs> Seven. That is correct. Right. Unbelievable. <laughs> See, we were missing that aspect of it last episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. All right. Andrew. When we first see Kai's hut, how many candles are in there? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> is it five, seven, or nine? I'm going to go, I'm just going to take a chance and say seven. That is incorrect. Shit. Steel? Whitney. Nine? That is incorrect. (laughs) Steel. Bastard. Eric. Five. That is correct. All right. Oh, man. It's winning by default. I I don't like it. I don't either. 
I'm not up. stealing it. Top of the order. Risking our necks out here. <laughs> mm-hmm. For wrong answers. Yeah. Eric. The shape shifting Mizuki suffers from what condition causing a difference in the color of her eyes? Heterochromia. Oh, sorry. I know you hate that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're correct. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. Charles, just for the sake, can I just hear the answers you had lined up? Duochromia, heterochromia, or dichromia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. David Bowie also had heterochromia. That's true. Love that guy. I don't yeah. know who David Bowie is. <laughs> oh, Charles. I'm going to send Whoa. a copy of uh, Spiders of Mars to your void. Is that a movie that Keanu Reeves was in? <laughs> Nobody should be. Mm. Well. It should be. Yeah. Let's hope. Fingers crossed. John Wick 4. <laughs> David Bowie. Keanu Reeves 4. Ziggy Stardust. Oh, my God. <gasps> oh. Well done. Anyway, whoa, you, woof, what were we doing? <laughs> we were playing Pop Quiz Asshole. Right, yes. And I it f- is your turn. Okay, let's go. Let's go. My head's back in the game. When Oishi convinces Kai to join him, he tells him that Kira has how many men? 100, 1,000, or 10,000? 1,000? That is correct. Nailed it. Nice. Nicely done. I'm getting sweaty. (laughs) It's one of those games. It's one of those games. Mm -hmm. It is. It is. All right. Andrew, what was different about this film's release than many other films released in Hollywood? A, it was released without a special premiere event. B, its premiere was in Japan. Or C, it was released without a screening for critics. Ooh. Ooh, this is a really interesting question. Um, uh, given what we know about this movie, I'm going to say it was released without a screening for the critics. That is correct. Yes. Nice. Yeah, they and everyone has points on the scoreboard. Finally. <laughs> Finally, yeah. Back up to the top of the round for the final regulation round of Pop Quiz Asshole. Eric. Yes. Kai refers to the Tengu Forest as what? A sea of trees, an ocean of trees, or a world of trees? Oof. I'm going to go with a sea of trees, Charles. That is correct. Yeah. It's very poetic. Yeah. I liked it. Mm -hmm. Moving on to Whitney. Mm -hmm. Filmed in multiple languages, what was the first language that this movie was shot in? Was it Cantonese, English, or Japanese? Wow. I mean, ooh. 
That's a good question. Uh, considering that all the cast is Japanese, that might be... I'm gonna say English. That is incorrect. Steel. Steel. I cannot tell who that is, Steel. (laughs) It's Eric. (laughs) Eric. Eric. It's Andrew. No, it's Andrew. It's it. (laughs) Uh, I'm gonna go against the obvious choice, and I'm gonna say Cantonese. That is incorrect. Oh, let me steal this one. Andrew. (laughs) I'm going to go with English, Charles. No. That is incorrect. Uh, That is the second goddamn time I've done that. Shit. I said English already. I (laughs) suck. I was like, it's that thing where I'm like, I've ruled out this. And then in my brain, yep, my mouth and my brain are not connected today. (laughs) Give myself this a couple times. Can I steal even though I answered it wrong before? You can, but you will not get the point. Uh, well, it's Japanese. That is correct. No ding. No points awarded. No ding. No. No ding. I think I would have liked this better in Japanese with subtitles. It would have been pretty yes. rad, right? Yeah. It is very good. I would have good. liked it better. Yeah. Mana Tai Chi vibes. For the final round of regulation, Andrew. What is the last word spoken in this movie? Is it A, culture, B, samurai, or C, you? You. That is incorrect. Damn it. Steel? Whitney. Culture? That is correct. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. It is now time for the bonus round of Pop Quiz Asshole. Well, as a reminder, everyone must buzz in. Question number one. In what year did the 47 Ronin incident, off of which this film is loosely based, occur? Was it 1678, 1693, or 1701? Me. Whitney. 1701. That is correct. Nice. Hells yeah. <laughs> woo woo. Dang. <laughs> Question number two. The Tangu in this movie have strange holes at the bridges of their noses. They are, however, very different from the Tangu of myth. What's distinctive about the noses of the mythical Tangu? Whoa. Hey, they have no noses. B, they have two noses. Or C, they have very long noses. Me. Whitney. They have very long noses. That is correct. Unbelievable. She's crushing. Been to Japan. (laughs) They have real big, kind of bulbous on the end. They're real scary looking. If Whitney gets this question right, she will have tied for the lead. I hate the bonus. I man. should specify, she will have tied Eric. <laughs> Andrew still has one point. <laughs> Thanks, Charles. You're welcome. <laughs> Question three. When Variety was reporting on this movie, they said that it would basically be a mix of Gladiator and what other film franchise? Is it A, Harry Potter, B, Lord of the Rings, or C, Chronicles of Narnia? Me. Whitney. 
Lord of the Rings? That is correct. Whoa. <laughs> oh, my God. Crushing it in the bonus round. Oh, my God. Whew. Do you have a tiebreaker, Charles? I always have a tiebreaker. <laughs> Except for one time you said you didn't have a tiebreaker. But then I found a tiebreaker. <laughs> <laughs> excellent. Excellent. All right. Eric and Whitney. Who can get closest to the estimated budget for this movie? Hmm. I said it before. I'm going to say it again. 200 million. Whoa. Because um, hmm. I have no idea. So since I've already said 200 million earlier, uh, stick with that. I'm going to go with 175 million. It is 175 million on the nose. Whoa. What the shit? Whoa. <laughs> you deserve winning the episode oh. with getting it on the nose. Oh my gosh. I, I was just like, hmm, 25 left? <laughs> nice. Well done. The winner of Pop Quiz Asshole is Eric. Excellent. Did it! Well done! Yay! Enjoy the fanfare. Take your victory lap now. <laughs> victory laps are good for an audience. Yeah, exactly. They are. <laughs> right. Where's there? You, you'll be back in 15. Give me, give me a second, guys. Take a quick 15. <laughs> oh, now my. Now we also have Pop Quiz Audience. Oh, that's right. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Pop quiz audience. Pop quiz audience. Before we get to this week's question, I would like to acknowledge the winners of last week's pop quiz audience. For the first question, what meal does Gong express jealousy over watching Tiger and his family eat? Zoe P. correctly identified that it was fish taste pork. Yeah, Zoe. And for the last two questions, what room number is Tiger's dressing room before his fight with Yuri? And in the final fight, how much time elapses between when Donica Mark asks Tiger if he knows what he is and then answers his own question? Jody Faraci has answered both questions correctly. The room number was 109, and it was 1 minute and 35 seconds in between. There you go. Nice. Congratulations, Zoe and Jody. Take your victory laps now. Yes, short fanfare. Here it is. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Okay, now what are the questions for this week? There is only one question this week. Mm, first come, first serve. All right. Now make sure to tweet at the Nolan, T-H-E-N-O-W-L-I-N, or include the hashtag pop quiz audience. Oh, it's so good. Our own hashtag. Oh, so good. <laughs> when Mika is upset at her father's impending death and runs to him, he tells her something. What does he say to her? Oh, okay, okay. Tweet at me and you will get recognized in next week's episode. That's perfect. And 
it's 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 the fan favorite and even more so now that the fans are participating so mm-hmm. perfect mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes thank you mm-hmm. fans for participating it is very fun for me to interact from my void all right well charles as always thank you so much for 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 the trivia for us as well as the audience you know it it might come easy to you but I remember that when back in the day when Whitney, Evan, and I were doing it, it was it was quite a task sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, I am happy to help. Thank you for letting me, because this is the highlight of my week, every week. Oh, yeah. Because it is the only oh, thanks, time Charlie. outside oh. of my void. <laughs> <laughs> right. Can you imagine what it would be like to be cooped up all day and not be able to go outside? <laughs> I, I can't actually imagine that. Believe it or not, Charles. Well, all right then. <laughs> <laughs> have, a, have a great evening, Charles. You do the same. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Bye, Charles. Sorry, I didn't know we were getting topical on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. I don't know if for the when you're in the future and you're listening, we're all quarantined right now. Coronavirus. Coronavirus. It'll it'll be in the books. It'll be in books. Yeah. Yes. Not this podcast, maybe, but the, no, the well, times we're living in. Right. <laughs> but maybe the podcast. Hopefully, that's what I'm going for. At least. Maybe we'll go down in history. You don't know. <laughs> All right. Are we ready for the synopsis? <laughs> yes. If you're done using the secret. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hit us. Hit us with it. Okay. So the film opens with a narration about ancient feudal Japan, which in this case is inhabited by witches, but also samurai. Um, the land was ruled by a shogun and samurai who failed their masters or didn't have a master would suffer the shame of becoming Ronin. Hmm. For one to understand the legend of the 47 Ronin, one must understand the story behind it, which is why we start off with exposition narration. Then a boy named Kai is running through the woods and he collapses and falls face first into a creek. He is found by a group of samurai. They notice claw marks on the back of his head. And one samurai, Oishi, says that he's a demon and tries to drown him in the creek. But Kai fights back and grabs Oishi's sword. And their master, Lord Asano, says to bring Kai with them to the province. Ako? Ako? I don't remember how it's pronounced. Mm. But as time passes... Kai develops a relationship with Asano's daughter, Mika. So he's taken in as an outcast, but he, you know, the lord of the province sort of adopts him. So he's got this weird position of respect, but also everyone hates him because he's an outsider. So he's developed this connection with Asano's daughter, Mika, and the rest of the samurai dislike him because he is a half-breed. Years later, as an adult, now Keanu Reeves, he's in the woods, The samurai approach him, and they are suddenly attacked by a gigantic beast with huge antlers, which we've talked about. This is when you find out that the real, like, mystical part of this is going on. Pretty early. (laughs) So the beast is, like, crashing all around the forest, nearly trampling the samurai Yasuno. 
and Kai, Keanu Reeves, grabs Yasuno's sword and sticks it in the beast's chests as it runs over him and, and tramples him. It drags Kai, still holding onto the sword, lodged into the beast until the beast falls and dies. Kai gives Yasuno his sword back, but Yasuno is disrespectful of him because he is a half-breed. Hmm. So they all catch up and they're like, Yasuno, such a good job killing this beast. We knew you were an honorable man. And no one speaks up, neither Keanu nor Yasuno speak up to say, actually, he killed it. Um, they cut off a piece of the beast's antler as like a trophy. And from a distance during all of this, Keanu spots a white fox with one like yellow eye and one blue eye. Hazel and blue. Whatever it is with heterochromia. It looked very yellow in this movie. but mm-hmm. So the samurai return from their trip. And Mika runs to ask if anyone has been injured because she can't see Keanu. And her dad knows who, he's lo- knows who she's scanning the crowd for. And he's like, what are you looking at? <laughs> who are you trying to find? And she's like, fine, you know. But then she finds him elsewhere, Keanu, with a wound on his back in his own hut. And she attends to it by wiping it with a rag. Literally, she does nothing to uh, attend to the wound, really. Um, (laughs) But Kai knows that they can't be together. Clearly, they both feel it and they both know it. But uh, they can't be together because he is not of royal blood. And he's a half-breed who's sort of an outcast and disrespected. And he can't expect anything more from people. Um, Lord Kira, the master of a rival province, visits the province that all this takes place in, in preparation for the arrival of the Shogun. With him is a witch in his, like, uh, um... Retinue? Uh, yeah, well, she's she's with his, all his concubines. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a witch named Mizuki, and Kai notices that... He notices her and spots her eyes and notices that they match the wolf's eyes he saw in the forest. And so he reports to Oishi that this person is a witch. And is, uh, Oishi says, um, only demons can spot witches. So I'm going to say that this is just you being enchanted by a beautiful woman. Otherwise, you're a demon and uh, no one wants to go there. (laughs) He says that in a way that it's like common knowledge. And I was like, really? Have we established that? (laughs) I guess so. So a fight is held with one of Kira's men, which is dubbed in the credits as the Lovecraftian samurai. So this is the mountain. And um, yeah, he's actually credited as Lovecraftian samurai, which I found very interesting. But Yasuno is set to fight him. But Kai, an Oishi son find Yasuno with like milky eyes and it looks like he's been poisoned or something, maybe bewitched. I'm not actually sure if he, what, what it was, but anyway, he can't fight. His eyes are, are all white and he, something happened to him and he can't fight. Mm-hmm. So Keanu Reeves takes the red armor of Yasuno and a mask to duel with Kira Samurai pretending to be Yasuno. So they start to duel, and it's pretty dope. The mountain's cool. We like him. (laughs) But he's defeated, and his mask flies off, exposing to everybody that he's the outcast half-breed that was fighting, not the, like, chief samurai of honor. Mm -hmm. So the shogun orders the samurai to kill Kai, 
But Lord Asano, who took him in when he was a kid, intervenes, saying that that's on him that Keanu's there, not on Keanu or something. So they just beat him until he's unconscious instead. <laughs> just that. Mm-hmm. Just that. <laughs> Mizuki, the witch, senses a weakness in Asano for Keanu when this happens. She uh, is talking to Kira and they're alone and it's sort of vaguely sexual, but not. But that's when she extracts some sort of purple liquid from his arm and breathes onto it to make a spider. That is all still very hazy to me. Exactly <laughs> what happens there. Uh-huh. Yeah. We've already mentioned it. Um, the spider crawls over his face and releases liquid into Asano's mouth, which bewitches Asano. So the witch has now used a weird blood spider to spit blood. I don't know. Anyway, the point is Lord Asano hears his daughter screaming and calling out for him. And it looks like in Asano's eyes that Kira, the rival, is raping his daughter. So he runs and cuts into his back with the sword. He like rushes into the room and cuts into his back. As he is subdued by other men... The, like, spell wears off, and he sees that Mika's not in the room. She runs in afterwards, and Kira's not attacking anyone who was just sleeping. Mm. Because he attacked Kira, who was unarmed, the Shogun sentences Asano to death. That's rough. Uh, He allows him to commit seppuku, honorable suicide, so that he may die as honorably as he lived. Asano tells Uishi that he is going to preserve their clan and asks him to look out for Mika. The ceremony is held for him to go out in his white robe and stab himself in the guts. Apparently, seppuku is a self-disembowelment if it's literally translated, which is why everyone stabs themselves in the stomach. Hmm. It's kind of gruesome. Yeah, that's rough. Um, Yeah, we get a lot of that in this movie. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's kind of the whole story. Spoilers. So Kai is not there because he's still uh, unconscious from his beating. Um, But he kind of starts to wake up and senses that something is wrong. You can tell in his face. Mika watches her father die, stick his blade into his own stomach. And then Oishi has has to decapitate his master. Hmm. Um, Clearly no one's happy about this. But the Shogun declares that all the samurai are now ronin because they all now no longer have a master. This land is has no master and neither do any of this, the warriors. So they're all now ronin. Two women give Mika a vial of poison to take so that she may end her own suffering. But she says that the land has not fallen. The province still exists, so she's not going to kill herself to end her suffering about her father dying. Hmm. However, before the shogun leaves, uh, Mika goes up to him and she's like, let me take over until I get married. And he's like, I've actually thought about that. You're going to marry this dude. And so she has to marry Kira in one year. She has a year for her mourning period. He orders Oishi and the samurai, who are all now ronin, to not attempt to seek vengeance for the death of their master. And then he orders his men to throw Uishi into the pit because he's afraid of retaliation. Which, okay. This whole movie could have been over if he just kills Oishi. Like, this whole... (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
bad guys leaving mm-hmm. someone around for revenge is crazy to me. Go on. Yeah. All yep. right. Mm-hmm. So basically we cut to a year later. Mika's almost at the end of her year mourning period and is going to have to marry Kira. Oishi is pulled out of the pit by his wife, Riku. Apparently he's been in a pit for nearly a year. And uh, his son. He is uh, sort of tended to and is told that Kira is going to marry Mika soon. Additionally, Keanu Reeves has been sold into slavery to a Dutch town, also known as Pirates of the Caribbean Land. <laughs> they have a great tiki Oishi. bar. <laughs> <laughs> Oishi ventures to Pirates of the Caribbean Land and finds him dueling with an ogre or some kind of giant man. Yeah. Keanu Reeves decapitates the ogre, which we've mentioned, uh, to the cheers of everyone around. Uishi steps in, and so now he's like the contender for the next fight. And the two fight, and Uishi seems to think that Kai doesn't recognize him. I think that he did recognize him, and it was just like, I've been here for a year killing people so that I can live, so I'm going to kill you too. That was very confusing to me because he was like, hey, it's me. It's me. And I was like, yeah, he knows it's you. Right. He's just going to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, not sure exactly what happened there, but... And then Oishi m- mentions Mika, which changes his mind, He says, mind, Mika needs your help. Yeah. Yep. And then, and then sh- Keanu's like, all right, I'm in. We'll escape. They share some sort of moment where Keanu like moves his sword and Oishi's like, oh, I get it. And I was like, I <laughs> <Yes>. don't. <laughs> like, what right. just happened? There's some sort of samurai yeah. code that I don't understand. It was a whole like, like plan just with the flick of the sword. Right. It's, it's like-, like when the umpire does the, this is what play we're doing in baseball with his fingers, <laughs> only it was with a sword. I love yes. that you think the umpire does that. But- <laughs> There you go. Someone does it. I don't know. I don't watch baseball. Don't at me. Anyway, so oh. Kai and Oishi gather up the remaining Ronin. And again, this is too short of a montage. This should have been much more because we really only see a little bit of it or almost none of it. So they all vow to avenge their master. They've all gotten together and o- Oishi's like, we're going to kill everyone to make up for our master being dead. And uh, they're like, okay, we're going to send Kira to hell. Great. Oishi takes a map and he says he will lead them to a village where they will be given swords. The Ronin travel to the village of Uetu. I don't know if that's pronounced right at all, where the sword makers reside. Since they work for Kira, they refuse to give the Ronin any swords. Mm. So they're working for the enemy. Kai joins the Ronin as they fight the sword makers. And then he leads them to a place where they can definitely fight swords. because They can find swords because these are the witchy lizard monks that raised Keanu uh, from birth until he was a young boy and got adopted by the Lord. Mm-hmm. So these are the Tengu. They don't look anything, as Charles mentioned, they don't look anything like Tengu. I didn't even know that they were Tengu. They were just like lizard monks to me. Now, finding out that they're Tengu, Tengu look sort of like beardy devils with big red bulbous noses. These are like definitely lizard people. These They kind of look like from, if you ever saw the Super Mario Brothers movie, they kind of look like the Koopa Troopas <laughs> a little bit. Just like bigger heads, but right there, like right there. I mean, I'm a Star Wars nerd, so I'm going to go with they look like Bosk. <laughs> Whatever, whatever they look like, it's not Tengu. Uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah. 
Keanu's like, I'm going to go this way. You're going to go this way. You can never draw your weapon. Regardless of what you see, don't take your sword out of its sheath. And they separate. And Keanu goes to like the head snake monk, Mm -hmm. the Tengu Lord. He requests, there's a like this sword stuck in the ground in a circle of light. And it's very fancy looking. It's very sword in the stone-esque. And the snake guy says, go ahead, take it. And then he starts to kind of taunt Keanu about like, oh, it was very like Jewish mother. Like we raised you and you abandoned <laughs> us and we trained you and you have all these skills because of us. And then you ran away and, and spurned our love and commitment to you. And then he's like, you have to take the sword before I get to it. And while this is happening, we're cutting back and forth between Oishi in the same room as the other snake men who are all on their knees praying. But then one Ronin pulls out his sword and Oishi watches the Tengu do this really cool swirly fight and attack and kill all of his men. And they keep saying, draw your sword, protect your men. You can save your men by fighting us. Mm -hmm. Pull your sword out. And he does it. He listened to Keanu. So once all of the men look like they're dead... And he never once draws his weapon. We're cutting back and forth between that and Keanu fighting the master until he beats the master to the sword and nearly decapitates him. Mm-hmm. And that the, both of those fights kind of end right at the same time. And Oishi kind of blinks and looks around and he finds none of his men are dead. The monks are still praying on the ground and they have been granted all their swords because he passed the test and never fought anyone. It's all an illusion and the men are safe and he got his sword from the Lord Snake and they're going. (laughs) That's it. The witch, Mizuki, disguises herself as a geisha and infiltrates a nearby village. She seduces a fellow ronin right before the ronin happen upon this village and are ambushed. She unleashes her fire powers, which apparently she has, to attack the ronin while Kira's men join in the fight and the Lovecraftian samurai... Is there. Boy, I wish we'd stop calling him that. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why they call him that, because nothing about him is Lovecraftian. Exactly. Yeah. He's way more the mountain than he is Lovecraftian. There's no, no like, uh, unknowing... There's no madness. There's no tentacles. Yeah, there's... there's no nothing. <laughs> there's nothing that's, like, unseeable yeah. or uncomprehensible to man. He's, He's just, just a, a big, big ass scary dude. guy. Yeah. yeah, with some sweet armor. Mm-hmm. Anyway... Sorry. So anyway, as soon as it looks like she's wiped out most of the Ronin, she takes Oishi's sword and she jets out of there. Mm-hmm. Kai and Oishi tend to the surviving Ronin. The fat Ronin, which we've talked about earlier, the chubby guy, Basho, confesses to Kai that as a child he would throw stones at him. And Kai says he knew it because it was him because he saw his belly sticking out from behind the trees he was hiding from to throw the stones. Mm-hmm. And then Basho apologizes to him before dying. All of the other men kind of take this as their their chance to sort of either with their eyes or verbally um, apologize to Keanu and say things that they regret, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oishi regrets not having gone after Kira right after the master's death, like waiting a year in a pit didn't do anything for anyone, which he's right about. <laughs> I'm with him on that one. Why did you wait a year in a uh-huh. pit? I don't know. Just plan. Just coming up with this sweet plan. When he gets out. Yeah. So the witch, Mizuki, goes to Mika's room as she sleeps. And I love this scene. I think the scene was so great. 
She taunts her, saying all of the Ronin are dead. Kai is dead. Oishi's dead. Everyone's dead. And she's got this knife and she's sort of vaguely threatening her with it. But she says, I promise not to harm a hair on your head. And then she stabs a knife into the floor next to her head and says, whatever you do is none of my concern. Mm. And so she's clearly saying, kill yourself because it's hopeless and you're going to marry, you know, someone you don't want to marry and everyone that you love is dead. We're getting a real look into your psyche here. <laughs> it was just a good scene. Sexy yeah. ladies whatever. playing mind games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, what can you do? <laughs> I am who I am. Again, we cut back to the samurai kind of all owning up to the shitty ways that they treated Kai and the mistakes that they made in their past. And it's sort of like still on that level. Yasuno apologizes to Kai for his disrespect and he shows gratitude for to him for saving him from the beast and not saying anything when he took the credit for killing the beast at the beginning of the movie. All the Ronin then, um, he gives Keanu a sword and then there was a story to the sword, but the story of the sword, I don't even remember. I didn't write it down in my notes because it had nothing to do with anything that's happened in the movie. Mm-hmm. So there's, it's a, it's a great sword. It's dope as hell. Someone <laughs> famous used it. Here's the sword. Sweet. Uh, then, then all the Ronin that are remaining alive sign their names on a scroll and mark it with their blood to commemorate what they're about to do in honor of their master. Oishi declares, we are now 47. And on their trip back to the province, they encounter a band of performers. They recognize Uishi and the Ronin from the previous visit to the province. And Uishi says, we need your help. We need to pretend to be you. We're going to sneak into the province with the performers as Kira and Mika's wedding is about to begin. The rest of the Ronin sneak in by climbing the walls and killing guards. A performance is put on with Oishi in disguise. He moves closer to Kira before a battle ensues between his men and the Ronin. The Ronin attack and fight, and Kira runs away with Mika. Mizuki sneaks away in the chaos, and the mountain samurai goes to attack until a Ronin throws a bomb, and it explodes. Kira and Mika run. She pulls out the knife that Mizuki gave her, and she lunges at Kira. Several guards arrive giving Mika an opportunity to run as they're tending to Kira. Oishi finds Kira and begins to fight him. Meanwhile, Keanu Reeves is reunited with Mika and embraces her. They're cornered by the witch. Kai says he's not afraid of her, even though she says he should be. Mm. And then she takes the form of a dragon. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And lunges towards Keanu Reeves as he draws a sword to fight her. She nearly kills him like a lot but she thinks she's taken him down. Again, like she thought with killing all the Ronin and not actually killing all the Ronin, only killing a fraction of them. She stops paying attention to Keanu and goes to kill Mika. But Keanu Reeves sees this and he grabs his sword and he rapidly moves in this very mystical... It's a move that both the witch and the, the lizard guys have done. Yep. Uh, where where he sort of like snakes up in a in a whirl of fabric and drives the sword into Mizuki's head, into the dragon's head. She reverts to her human form before she dies. And then we see, oh, we cut back to Oishi fighting with Kira. Oishi holds a knife to Kira's stomach and says, know now the depth of my master's courage and guts Kira and then decapitates him. 
So not only is Kira dead, he was killed in a seppuku form by somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Oishi brings Kira's severed head, like, out in front of everybody, which ends the battle. He's like, goes out into the courtyard, and he's like, I got his head. But all of the Ronin are still sort of surrounded by uh, law-abiding citizens of the realm. So they all are traveled. They, they look like captives, but they're also not super... They know what's what's happening next, and no one's trying to fight it. They're shepherded in a like caravan to the shogun and oishi speaks to the shogun and acknowledges their crimes he only asks that his men be respected for their actions and the shogun says that while their crimes are punishable by punishable by hanging because all of them rose up against the shogun um he respects their honor in avenging their lord and allows them to all to commit honorable suicide Oishi's crying and Mika's crying and like probably other people are crying. I think Oishi's <laughs> wife is crying. Like everyone's like, but it's like very, it's very like subdued, like one tear leaking out kind of crying. Mm-hmm. So before they all do that, Kai and Mika do get one last moment together before he has to kill himself. And they promise to find each other in a, the next life or a thousand lives or anywhere in the world, in any realm, in any life, they're going to find one another and they share one last kiss. When they are cap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They'll find each other in the next life when they are cap. Nobody watch Vanilla mm-hmm. Sky? All right, fine. <laughs> no, I've seen Vanilla Sky. It's a terrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. All right. Tom Cruise rewatch podcast. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, That would be interesting. We still don't know what we're doing when this one's done, and we're not too far from the end. September. September. We'll be caught up. All right. Hugo Weaving is an option. Tom Cruise. I don't know that Tom Cruise would be as interesting as something like a Hugo Weaving. Just kind of. Anyway, we're like. Two sentences from the end of the movie. So I'm just going <laughs> to wrap it up here. Oh. We cut back from the, the love bridge kiss scene. The I'll find you anywhere. They do that. And then they go to the like ritual for the suicide. The Shogun pulls Oishi's son out as they're all about. Like they all lay down their like goodbye notes and they pull out their knives and they've all got it like at their torsos. And he's like, Wait. I'm going to, I don't see any reason that Oishi's bloodline should end here. So I'm going to let your son live that your name can live on. So the handsomest man in the group (laughs) steps out (laughs) next to his mom. Actually, no, he goes off to the side and he still kneels down like everyone else is kneeling, but he's not going to kill himself. Yeah. We cut to basically Kai and Mika looking at each other one last time as he sticks the knife in his stomach and she watches him gut himself. And then she's uh, later on a bridge reading a message from him, like the suicide note, essentially, which reiterates the promise to find her in whatever world, in whatever life, they are going to keep searching for each other forever. And then the narrator talks about this being a real life story. Uh, and everyone's like, wait, what? The, the witches and the dragons and whatnot? <laughs> um, no. No, Mm -hmm. but the narrator says that the legend of the 47 Ronin lived on for generations and the text at the end states that every December 14th, thousands gather to the graves of the Ronin to honor what they did. 
and this film is inspired. And I really feel like they should have put quotes around inspired <laughs> by their story. Yeah. And then the movie's over. It's that whole uh, semantic argument is based on, inspired by. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 47 Ronin, y'all. Mm-hmm. I also want to give a shout out to Getty Wananabe, um, who was a staple of 80s movies as the horribly racist Asian character that I'm sure was the only role he could get. Um, he <laughs> gets to play the troop leader in this uh, of the actors who sneak him into the castle. So he is slightly redeemed um, by getting <laughs> to play like an actual good character this time. Nice. He enables the good the good guys to win. Exactly, exactly. Instead of playing, you know, the uh, exchange student in 16 Candles. A <laughs> <laughs> yeah, poor, right. poor man. Good God. Quite a step up. I mean, you know, less of a role, but a more respectable one. Exactly. So you got to weigh. You have to weigh it. Yeah. So uh, we had our thoughts. We, we heard about 47 Ronin. I'm curious. We're in quarantine we might have a little bit more time on our hands. Are we watching, are we adding 47 Ronin to the watch list? I think it really depends on how into either samurai movies or the grim dark fairy tales you are. I think if you're into either one of those or both of those, then definitely. Mm. I think otherwise you could probably leave it just because it was pretty boring and tedious for me to get through. So I don't think anyone in quarantine that's trying to distract themselves is probably (laughs) going to be set up well with this movie. Um, So I don't, I, it was better than I thought it was going to be by a long shot. And I wouldn't say definitely don't see it but i also don't know that i'm gonna go out and recommend it so i'm gonna say no is a recommend but that doesn't mean if you're listening to this and you're interested you shouldn't watch it i'm just not gonna go out and say hey have you seen 47 ronin you should watch it fair 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 unlike man of tai chi unlike man of tai chi which i definitely recommend everyone should see yeah eric where uh where do you fall on this one yeah it's a it's a light recommend for me as well um I enjoyed my time, but at no point was I, you know, chomping at the bit to go back and watch it again. Um, it, it was definitely sort of a once and done, and I didn't, you know, sometimes you watch a movie like Generation Um, and you're just like, I, I want that time back. I, this, <laughs> this one didn't make me angry, so uh, uh-huh. it's got that going for it. But um, I enjoyed it, so yeah, it's a light recommend. Cool. All right. Uh, I'm not going to recommend it. Um, But like, again, that's just like, I think it's just a matter of personal preference. And given the fact that this, I I would actually probably be more curious to go watch one of the other interpretations of this movie to see how they uh, approach the material. Because the story itself is really something quite extraordinary Mm -hmm. i just don't know if it needed all the magic and the creatures and stuff like that to to jazz it it up so uh not going to recommend but might be worth checking out some of the alternate versions of of this film so which i will which i will plan to do so that brings us to our rankings of the of this film where are we going to put 47 ronin in the keanu rankings Mm. so i have put it at number 19 
below the private lives of Pippa Lee, but above a scanner darkly and significantly higher than I thought I would. But when I was looking at everything below it, I would rather watch this again than Dracula. I would rather watch this again than Little Buddha like 10 times over. So yeah, I think that's about accurate. Below Private Lives of Pippoli, above a scanner darkly. All right, Eric, where uh, where are you going to be putting this on your list? Um, I put it below Dracula, and that's really just it's because of um, the actor's name just went right out of my head. Gary Oldman. Uh, <laughs> Gary Oldman. Sorry, thank you. Yeah, it's really just because of Gary Oldman. I there's I would watch that performance over 47 Ronin, although hmm. story-wise, they think 47 Ronin holds together a little better. Um, but it's <laughs> it's still at the bottom of my list. Um, the only things under it are like Street Kings and Generation Om. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that feels right. That feels right. Generation Om. I mean, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whitney, I am once again going to take a page out of your book and Put this under the private lives of Pippa Lee. I think it might be the second or third time we've done this, mm-hmm. uh, but that falls a little bit lower on my list at number lower, twenty-four. Yeah. So under private lives of Pippa Lee and above my own private Idaho, uh, that feels like a good in terms of how I felt about it, like percentage-wise, right in mm-hmm. this middle middle spot, almost maybe dead center actually. Pretty close. Yeah. So. That's uh, that's where I'm going to put mine. So, given all that, that's been logged. Recommendations, rankings, all that good stuff. Let's chat about next week. Huh. <laughs> I wrote it. I wrote it out here because I just want to give it the justice it deserves. I have the distinct <laughs> honor to walk us through one of the greatest accomplishments in cinema history. John Wick, the Baba Ooh. Yaga. Oh my God. <laughs> We did it. This whole podcast was just a ruse to get to this point. <laughs> Everything else up to this point was just an excuse so I can rewatch and talk about Seems John Wick. It's a little Wick. futile to do just a John Wick rewatch podcast. Right. So we had to add everything else in yeah, there. I guess we'll do everything else the guy's been in, even as Dog Star. <laughs> so that's next week. I get the feeling that a lot of our listeners have seen this movie. Uh, if you want to write in, like we got a lot of submissions when we did The Matrix, for instance. If you want to write in, if you want to call in or do any of the voice stuff, I'll be putting that out there on Twitter. I would love to get some audience participation in for that one. Uh, I think we've all seen this. I think we're all super hyped for it. So those questions needn't be asked. Yeah, I just, I just want to say I saw in the show notes that your guest next week is Eric, and this is just a really surprising way for you guys to tell me. I'm super thrilled. Um, oh, oh. You know, I sat through Street Kings. I sat through Generation Um. Eric, I'm so excited um, you saved a good movie for um, me. Um, I uh, Eric. Yeah, there. Um, if you look at the spelling of that Eric, it's not. It's a. It's different from it's yours. Not, it's not. You. What it's a different Eric? This is a different Eric. I watch Generation Um for you, ingrates. <laughs> and I don't even get to talk about John Wick. Son of a bitch. <laughs> we, you, can, we, you, you should be on Chapter 2 since you and I watched Chapter 2 together in the theater. Whatever. There you go. <laughs>
it, we'll, you know, we'll make this right. I think we, I think we can make this right. Like mm. the, like the Ronin made it right. I think we can also, we can make this well, right. I'm, will not gut myself for Eric. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a metaphor. <laughs> Metaphorically, we want to give, we want to give saying, him a. I'm just saying, you said like the Ronin. I'm not going to do what the Ronin did. Metaf- All right. Yeah. I mean, we got a, pl- we got a ton of movies, Keanu films coming up and. We do. There's plenty more. And John Wick 2 and 3 among them. So. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. kidding, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> JK, JK. I, I know the other Eric. It's going to be a very good episode. Right. We are yes, uh, very is. excited for that one. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. And. If you're trying to tell us apart, he's the one that can grow a beard. And it's crucial mm. for the audio medium. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, the podcast <laughs> listeners really, really can, can tell who has a beard. You can hear the beard. It's like a richness. It adds a richness to the voice. I mean, have you met him? You can probably hear his beard grow. <laughs> <laughs> it grows very some quickly. Say, <laughs> some say if you listen closely, you can hear it growing right now. <laughs> We'll be back next week, as always. But until then, Eric, if the people here wanted to maybe hear you talk about like other Chris Morgan films, mm-hmm, other mm-hmm. films written by Chris Morgan, yeah, or anywhere, anything else, where would they find you? Well, they'd find me anywhere on the internet as Platypus Jones, just the way it sounds, and that's Twitter and Instagram and those places. Uh, once again, Andrew was mocking me because I have not finished my... <laughs> Fast and Furious podcast with Whitney. Oh, no, I should be clear. We finished the podcast like a year ago. Uh, It is yet to be released. Um, But in quarantine, I seem to have a lot of free time. Uh, So I feel like that will probably be coming to you soonish. I'm not putting any dates on anything. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Did you no. did y'all do Hobbs and Shaw too? We did not. We did not. Oh, okay. We, uh, we are going to do Hobbs and Shaw probably closer to when uh, the next Fast and Furious comes out, but that's been delayed a year now, so we have plenty of time. You got yeah, you got all the time. So all right, cool. At Platypus Jones, pretty much everywhere. Yep. Mm-hmm. Whitney, where are you at? I am at Whitney underscore Nelson, N-E-L-S-E-N on Twitter, and you can find me there. Uh, I am also, I have a podcast called Historical Hotties, but we've been kind of hit and miss uh, during the quarantine because uh, one of the sisters on Historical Hotties lost her job and the other one still has to physically go into her job. Mm. So we have a lot going on right now. Um, Sculptors is coming out very soon, Uh, but we have not been on a regular posting schedule like we want to be we've taken a couple of weeks hiatus because there's a you know uh, there's a lot going on in the world right now so but definitely seek us out historically hot everywhere pretty much at historically hot um but you can also find my retweets on my twitter whitney nelson perfect it is a chaotic time so it is a chaotic unprecedented one of us has to like sew masks for her other co-workers to be able to go in and not get shut down and the other one of us is job hunting it's a lot 
Understood. Understood. Well, we look forward to the triumphant return for sure. Mm-hmm. But there's still Sculptors episodes. Sculptors is a really good ep- episode. Yes. And you have like a huge backlog. So there's no reason. We do. We have several years of backlog. So there's plenty of episodes. But don't start at the beginning. If you're listening for the first time, start at the most recent episode that grabs your interest and wa- listen to that one. The beginning ones are fun, but they're terrible to listen to. So. I'm even you're on not- a few of those. There you uh-huh. go. It is. It's a crossover everywhere. Look at that. You know? mm-hmm. If you're not looking back on the things you did years ago and thinking, man, that was bad. Are you growing? I don't know. It's, it's just what I'm, you know, I don't know. I don't know. My oh, parents was... have all my art school projects hanging in their house, so I can't get away from it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're not in your house, though. That's right? fair. Yeah. <laughs> they're not in your. <laughs> Look, behold my works. <laughs> Uh, I will keep it short. Just find uh, find me on Twitter, Instagram at Dark Driving, and uh, Twitch.tv slash Dark Driving. That's one of the places I stream this show. Also been streaming some video games over there. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Pass the time in quarantine. Let's hang out. Let's do cool stuff. And uh, that uh, that about does it. Thank you, Whitney. Thank you, Eric. And thank you all for joining us. And in the words of Bill S. Preston and Ted Theodore Logan, be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. <gasps>